we from the first day we have been actually tweeting over many different kind of ideas on what the company should be built on. So I think the biggest challenge is to build this framework within the company, and especially when you're early within the founders, to have this kind of the active loop or the active learning process as a company. If you think of you as a or as a company, you are a model, then or machine learning model here in this case. So you have to make sure that your model always gets updated. You try to, of course, optimize some metrics. Those metrics are real metrics, not vanity metrics. And you have to always like learning. Like this learning part is very critical while you're building a company. But most importantly, what we value at ActiveLoop is this kind of learning process where we make sure that anyone in the team is like is, should be very open-minded to the like even the, some kind of information that's totally counterintuitive, to take that as part of the learning process. And that's where the most of the learning happens. Like, like anyway, whatever product you come up with, highly likely the first iteration or the launch is going to be failure. And this failure should actually keep you iterating so many failures until you get to the point where you have probably more speed and start scaling. And we are still in this kind of the learning phase where, and it, I, I feel like, or, or I heard from much later stage companies, founders that this never happens it gets worse and worse the problems get bigger and bigger i think keeping this framework is very important hello dreamers and action takers welcome to another episode of the want money got money podcast i'm your host sam kamani and my guest today is david Bunyatian. David is the CEO and founder of ActiveLoop.ai. Now, ActiveLoop is artificial intelligence company that is organizing unstructured data for the world. So, today David is going to share with us everything from how he got into how he got his company into Y Combinator to how he got it funded to what they're building and how it's different and all the secrets to his success so let's lean in and find out more from David more about Active Loop and building a startup in the artificial intelligence and machine learning space it's great to have you on the show. So looking forward to talking so much about um, AI and machine learning and knowing everything about ActiveLoop. It's really great to have you on the show. Thanks, Sam, for hosting me and great to be here as well. Yeah, we were just talking about, about AI and machine learning. How did you get involved in this field? Was it just to, did it, did it start as doing your PhD at Princeton or was it a previous interest? No, actually, it started from... Uh... TechCrunch Disrupt uh, conference back in UK in 2014. Yeah. And we had a hackathon there while I was studying at UCL. And uh, during the hackathon, we had to come up with something. And the yes. first idea that and it's now as a cliche, so everyone is doing that, basically building a Tinder for news. So when you swipe, yes. um, if you like the article or you don't like the article, it's the algorithm starts to learn your preferences. And yes. at that time, it was just getting started out this deep learning revolution. So there were not too many modern uh, ML algorithms to do that. And we were hacking around and we came up with a prototype that we demoed during the hackathon. And yeah, excitedly, we actually ended up uh, being featured by TechCrunch that day. And that's how my kind of ML career gets started from that day. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And and I read about that you guys were accepted at Y Combinator. Is that right? Yes. So how did that work? And that that's a totally different story there. So basically, when I got into Princeton, I mentioned I um, wasn't able to join the computer vision lab, so I had to find another advisor. And incidentally, or accidentally, my advisor was in neuroscience department. 
he was heading this connectomics research, which is basically a new branch in neuroscience, trying to reconstruct the connectivity of neurons inside the brain. And we had a team of 30 people in the lab working on this challenge. And while the challenge being like processing this amount of information was very challenging. So we had around petabyte scale data sets, which is thousand times of terabytes. That's why a single terabyte is like on your desktop or maybe on your laptop can fit. Yes. Imagine like you have thousand times bigger data. And this data was volumetric images of one millimeter of a mouse brain. So it's like 1000 of a mouse brain is equal to a petabyte scale data set. And the goal was to take this data and then try to infer or deduce the connections, how the neurons inside this volume are connected to each other. And the way we were doing is that we were taking this mouse brain volumetric image, cutting into very thin slices, imaging each slice, and then applying machine learning, more specifically deep learning algorithms to be able to segment the neurons, find the differences or which neuron corresponds to which ID, and then finding the connections or synapses and then building the graph. So basically, we're using artificial neural networks to actually reconstruct the new real neural networks inside the brain. And that's where a lot of insights actually come into a place about the company and about the kind of the um, problems that we are solving at Active Loop. We applied to Y Combinator, me and my fellow PhD co-founders, and we got into. And there's another exciting story about the interview stage. I'm happy to share. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, please. Yes, because quite a few of the listeners, um, some of them are interested in going to Y Combinator and taking that that same path that a lot of other founders and startups have taken before you or before them through Y Combinator journey. Yeah, uh, happy to share. So basically, before we hadn't yet formed a company, so we are pretty early. So we're just like PhD students hacking around we built a couple prototypes we likely overbuilt instead of listening to what customers need our initial idea was totally different what we end up doing after yc just to give everyone here a kind of background and what we were solving the challenge was okay can we take this computation and run it on distributed machines like crypto mining gpus instead of running this kind of wasteful computation that you do to compute the blockchain we actually can run a useful computation rewarded and also this will be useful for the humanity and 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 so on the main challenge there was like figuring out this blockchain how to do these computations in a verified manner and so on not getting into too much theory here but basically during the interview we had a lot of we had done a lot of experiments but nothing very exciting or insightful was there we're just like trying different stuff prototyping we're also talking to customers and so on we applied to y combinator on the last day of the application deadline yes we Usually, when you get into the interview stage, they directly invite you to San Francisco. They, with, they, with us, they actually do the pre-screening call. So they did pre-screening with us. Then afterwards, they invited us into, into Bay Area to Mountain View office to run the interview, which was we were super excited about. And when we came here, we saw our direct competitors in, in the same kind of the sitting area. <laughs> building a similar product and they were far ahead of us and the way yc was interviewing us it was pretty challenging they actually first interviewed us and then they interviewed them and then they asked us to wait afterwards they interviewed us again and then they interviewed them again actually three rounds of interviews on the same day which is whatever you see in the yc like interview uh schedule you actually see once interview and then they make a decision for us it was like coming back go back and forth and at the end, the last like kind of the session in the interview, they told us, like they asked us this question, like, what do you guys figured out? 
that nobody else did. And me and my other co-founder, like we were three of us and we were like not sure what to reply. And our third co-founder, he actually said, we figured out that we can run neural network inference, which is the computation and crypto mining GPU at the same time on the same GPU much more efficiently. And all the partners advised it, wow, you can do that. And yeah, you can. I was going to say, you can do that. Like, wow, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and me and like him, like with like facepalm uh, situation, we're like, okay, how are we going to, they ask us, can you show this? How are we going to figure this out? And they asked us, hey, can you guys give us, send us the benchmarks? Can you show us how it works? We quickly got an Uber, drive back to the Airbnb that we were taking here in Bay Area. We start open the laptop, starting coding around, figuring out how to run this experiment, how to show that. And it's like, why did you tell this during an interview? <laughs> this is an important thing. We can't just <laughs> so guys, guys, like calm down. This is just insight brought it up, brought this up, and on intuition level. And once we got the results, usually in YC, if you get accepted, then they give you a call. If you get rejected, then they send an email to you. Yes. And we were hacking around. We got the results actually showing that's the case. And we were like amazed. Like, how did you figure this out during an interview? And that's kind of the intuition power, whatever, like gets around. And we're compiling the document to send over the email. At that time, I received an email from the YC folks. And they said, actually, so we were like, hey, guys, I calm down. We received an email, like, which is rejection. But I opened the email and they said, hey, we can't call you. Just call us back. And because that area had no internet here or like uh, connectivity here. So I ran out, I called them back and they told us that we got accepted even without looking at the benchmark results. But then we also sent the benchmarks afterwards and we saw that it was the case that you can run this algorithm at the same time. And the other team was rejected, but the next in, like the next batch, they accepted them as well. So that was our kind of YC interviewing experience. Yeah, that's very interesting. That's very, very interesting. I have written down a few things like earlier when I was just looking at Active Loop and, and the first thing that came to my mind was also was also blockchain and distributed computing or distributed computing power. And, and there are lots of things happening in that. But my experience with blockchain has been that it's I have found it compared to centralized, distributed a lot slower in some in some form or another. Where do you see, I don't know, the future of sort of machine learning and blockchain or, or is there any or an AI and blockchain? Is there any crossover or not really? We looked into all these kind of crossovers around yes. three years ago. We yes. were super excited, even though like you could take two hype things and combine them together, <laughs> you get a bigger hype. Yeah. No, no, not just we I'm, I'm, I want to know about that. From, uh, academic, uh, yeah, we were looking from yeah. academic perspective. We actually came up with some innovation. I will, uh, it would, would have, if we pushed further, it could have ended up with the academic paper, but we haven't um, finished that either. But basically, the main idea was that you can run new networks or the like the algorithms that machine learning folks mostly use on a blockchain that anyone can verify in a very efficient manner without the overhead of rate computing the stuff. So the main problem with distributed computation, especially on the blockchain, then you need other parties to verify that the computation was achieved or not. And yes. the way people are doing that, they apply uh, this cryptographic algorithm on top is that you can take any program, take a kind of pr- proof, get a proof that the program is ex- executed properly within given inputs and the output. 
And then other parties, instead of rerunning the whole computation, they can actually take this proof, verify very quickly if this computation given the input and outputs were correct, and then say, okay, this is correct, then we can connect the blockchain and so on. But even with the verification and so on, you usually if you just take any computation, you get an exponential slowdown uh, in terms of number of iterations you do. What we have achieved with neural networks, like you can restrict the scope, we got a polynomial decrease, which is like much better than exponential without explaining what basically get an order of order of uh, magnitude, their better performance, but though it was very slow. So yeah. having said that, if you want other parties to be able to verify your computation, then it becomes um, very difficult. So there are like some yes. other ways that you can run this trusted execution methods, or it's better what we computed and we ended up with is instead of competing against AWS building this distributed cloud, it's better to actually run the software on top of a trusted cloud for some time rather than actually leveraging the cheap computational power that we had outside. So we were, yes. and at some point we even launched the initial version of our initial, like the MVP that we launched during the YC was that yes. you can run, you can connect to a GPU, you can train a machine learning model there without any like a blockchain component. It's just like they yes. trust us, we trust the crypto mining farm, and then we um, just open the channel there to train them all on top. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. It's not completely decentralized, but decentralized does make things slower. It's like I've been using such for a few things. I use AWS and for a few things, not for machine learning or anything. And few things I've been trying at distributed file storage, just like AWS. There's lots of now distributed file storage on blockchain these days. But once again, they are so unreliable and slow in so many ways that, that it is still more efficient to use and faster to just use AWS. And they already have so many services built for AWS or, or for Google Cloud or any of those sort of things that, yeah. Where do you see the future of machine learning and AI in your, I mean, yeah, what is, so, or mm-hmm. what's, what are you most excited about in, in this space? There are two big areas that I'm very excited. So three years ago, what we decided is that, okay, either we go to the blockchain route or yes. we go to the ML and AI applications. And our yes. true passion actually was in AI ML. So we were, mm. our background was all in machine learning. So we decided to go through this way. And my, me personally have two very big passionate areas that I feel like it's the present and the future of AI and ML. The first one is what I'm doing in the, with the company and building it is basically building a data infrastructure for yeah. deep learning use cases. And that's where solely focused on that. And the second area that I'm like more passionate about as well is about causality. So causality is uh, basically you have all the machine learning current that is deployed is based on 150 years ago or like even 100 years ago on a decision that statistics should be based on correlations. Like you have two, uh, like in stock market, you have two trends going together, but it's a correlation. But if you can deduce a causation, which is more like fundamental, which is more like kind of law of physics in data science terms, then you can actually understand how the world works. And that's actually, this is a whole great problem of physics itself is like figuring out what are the causal like algorithm of the how the world works. But now what I mean here is in more in data science terms or machine learning terms is to understand how can you actually extract the causality of the objects or the um, events that are happening in the world using machine learning or deep learning um, techniques. That's the kind of secondary. But currently data infrastructure, all about like, data store, data lakes, data warehouses, and how to build actually a database for AI applications. 
Yep. Oh, the causality, that is super big. <laughs> Where do you even start to tackle it? Because it is so complex in, in any field. And that is how I see it as that you're treating the cause instead of the symptom. And that's what you want in, in medicine as well. You want to treat the cause, not the, just the symptom. That would be super useful in any field. I can see it. Yeah. Even in building startups. Like when you yes. build a startup, something doesn't work. You need to, instead of fixing the symptoms, you need to find the cause. Yes, Otherwise, exactly right. Quickly. Otherwise, just putting some money on Facebook ads and Google ads is not, <laughs> it's not gonna, <laughs> it's, yeah, I know it's, you'll be going after vanity metrics rather than. So that's what machine learning now is based on, <laughs> yes. on high level. So we get yes. lucky sometimes when the model works very well and it finds the true, um, like kind of the metric, yes. but sometimes you can go after vanity metrics and then putting yeah. this in, into production can cause a lot of harm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For someone new who is not familiar with Active Loop, how would you describe it? How would you describe what Active Loop does? So the simplest layer when we tell people what we do is you can think of us as a database for AI, more specifically database for unstructured data like images, video, audio, text. Yes. We make it very efficient to store the data and then stream the data from the storage, like you mentioned before, to the computing services or machine learning frameworks like TensorFlow or PyTorch to train the machine learning models. So on a higher level, we are we call ourselves our, a database for AI, but more low, the lower level, you can think of us as a data store or data lake for, and structuring all the unstructured data that people have. And just, you can think of actually that today, 90% of the data that generated is in unstructured form. Like you have all the images, the videos that like every day for mobile phones generate and this data gets stored somewhere. And now it should be analyzed to generate more business value or business insights from there. And that's where we help companies to actually build a solid data foundation so they can extract the most value and generate the insights that they look for from the data itself. Yes. Quick question. Do you have a practical example of how someone has used Active Loop? Yeah. One of the case studies that we have is that one of our customers, they have airplanes flying over the fields in Illinois, and they collect a lot of air image data. And their goal is to provide insights to the farmers, for example, where there's a disease on the field or dry down area, so that the farmer can go and check it out or fix the issue and so on. What we help them with is that when they collect all this data and then store that on the, on the cloud, namely here in AWS, we help them to make it very efficient to connect the storage and pipe the data to the machine learning model so they can train it very efficiently and then generate those models that can run the inference or generate the insights quicker. It's like an infrastructure layer. So like you, there's a couple layers before you get to the um, B2C or the kind of the consumer at the end of the day. That's one one use case. Another use case, we work with a legal tech company who had 80 million text documents. They Whoa. have actually all the patents, basically. And their goal was, okay, I want to upload now a patent. Can you find me what are the most similar ones? And to be able to do that search, which is like similar to Google search, you actually have to index all the data. And the way currently the indexing is done is that you take this text data, which is document, put them into the vectors, like a set of numbers. And then it makes it very easy, which is the index to compare two vectors together so that you can run the search algorithm. But to be able to take an arbitrary document, namely here patent, and then put it into an index, that's that's where the magic or the machine learning happens is that you have to train those algorithms to, to be able to do that. And the way currently 
like that, that company was doing, they were training this model in two months, a single model. We help them to reduce the timing to a weak project, cut compute and storage costs, and also use much more performant or um, expensive model that helps to that boosted the accuracy for the search radically. So that's another use case where you can use this, our platform. And that's, but we are mostly now currently focused on computer vision use cases, storing terabytes of images, video, audio, and so on. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fantastic. It's, I can see how companies can really use it or, or startups or, or other tech focus or even non so tech focused companies can use uh, machine learning and, and data and AI in their regular operations. I have a question for you regarding building your own startup that is Active Loop, and that is what has been the most challenging part of it. Yeah, we we from the first day we have been actually iterating over many different kind of ideas on what the company should be built on. So I think the biggest challenge is to build this framework within the company, and especially when you're early within the founders, to have this kind of the Active Loop or the active learning process as a company. If you think of you as a, or as a company, you are a model, then, or machine learning model here in this case. So you have to make sure that your model always gets updated. You try to, of course, optimize some metrics. Those metrics are real metrics, not vanity metrics. In the early days, you can't just start optimizing a metric. You have to pinpoint to a lot of locations to see if this is the correct metric you're looking for. And you have to always like, learning like this learning part is very critical while you're building a company so the way i'm thinking about this is more like how would i train a machine learning model how will i build a company so it's very there's a lot of commonalities in terms of the framework that you you can think of but most importantly what we value at ActiveLope is this kind of learning process where we make sure that anyone in the team is like it should be very open-minded to the like even the some kind of information that's totally counterintuitive to take that as part of the learning process and that's where the most of the learnings happens like like anyway whatever product you come up with highly likely the first iteration or the launch is going to be failure and this failure should actually keep you iterating so many failures until you get to the point where you have program market fit and start scaling and we are still in this kind of the learning phase where and it, I, I feel like or, or i heard from much later stage companies founders that this never happens. It gets worse and worse. The problems get bigger and bigger. I think keeping this framework is very important. Yeah, that's true. Uh, who does the sales for um, Active Loop? Is it one of your co-founders or have you developed a team or how did you get started with that side of business? Yeah, so initially as founders, I, I was doing the sales myself. And it's very important for the founders to do that. Absolutely. Few, few sales. And once you feel the kind of get automated, then you can start offloading. Now I'm very lucky that I have a business partner, Dan, who previously was a senior exec at a company called Equinix. They built the early data center, data center infrastructure for internet in 2000 during the dot-com and after dot-com bubble. And now it's like a large um, public company, Equinix. And yeah, great to have, a fr- like you should ask like this, uh, getting the first partner is like very important. It's like the salesperson, yes. you can think of it and they're like multiple levels of people you can get you can get a very junior person you can get a medium um, like medium experienced person you can get also like highly experienced person and that's where the um, i think interesting things happens and we are of course like we had multiple iterations on finding the right candidate for this role yeah 
No, that's very cool. What, when you were doing the sales, what worked for you in sales? It depends on what kind of sales we, you're doing. So we, we were doing mostly B2B. Um, yeah, yeah, and, for B2B. I mean, for you guys. And, and, yeah, and enterprise, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's like enterprise sales, not in, like it's not like a SaaS type of a service. In our case, I think that since our product is very highly technical, like full understanding of the product and what we are offering and the customer problems is super, super critical. And I don't imagine like how uh, a salesperson at this stage, even now, like just generic one, like without having all the knowledge about the company can actually sell our product. And that's both and good about us. We are in a deep tech in data infrastructure, like how you imagine someone without having knowledge can sell the product. That will be the amazing vision or the goal where we can get to the product to the stage where anyone can use. But currently it's very highly specialized. And yeah. the, the second important part is actually talking to the same language as the your users, in our case, data scientists and deep learning engineers talk to build the trust. I think building the trust is very important to do any transaction. And that I feel like that's even more important than the product itself. The product might be not working very well. The product might not exactly solve the problem but if the customer sees the potential here or the the promise that you can actually solve their problem then they are more than happy to collaborate with you of course given some time you will fix the issue and then keep keep the trust basically based on the promise you do with it yeah no that's great before we go i have three sort of quick questions one is there a book that you are reading right now or what was the last book that you read the last book that I read was very, which was very exciting to me, is actually the book called Principles, and I do read everyone. Yes, Dalio. Yes. How, how many other podcast guests you had uh, to or recommend? One. Right First there. one. First one. Okay. Good. Yes. <laughs> Good to be in this podcast. No, no, because I've read yeah. that book. That's why I know that. Okay. Yes, that's. I think that's the most the most exciting and insightful for me personally. Yes, and that. I read it during very hard times of the startup. But yeah, also the last book I'm reading now is like about building Netflix in, um, culture. So No Rules, I think, by Ray Husting. If I said correctly. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's his name? Um, ben Horowitz. He has written a lot on culture. Hard things read. about hard things. Yes. And what do you do? There's the last yes. book as well. Yeah, it's it's not what you say, what you do or something like that. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty much yeah, right. that's the gist of the book. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I'd highly recommend those on, on the culture side of things. But no, that's really good. If you had to start all over again in this field, what would you do or what path would you take? I think I'll take the so the, I'll take the second, my passion, and do the second, um, going to the causality research. I think one yes. of the problems personally I have is that I choose a very deep, deeply technical problems. And I feel myself, I won't be able anymore get um, interested in, I'll say more like building, let's say, mobile application or more B2C or like a easy SaaS, like a play. I really hard tech and deep tech kind of problems to solve that are challenging and of course, they are like long-term rewarding. So you don't get the rewards in the beginning and you might not get, don't solve the problem at all. But that's my, where my energy is, brain energy is focused on is solving this very challenging task, hopefully helping and changing the world in a better way. Yeah. What's the next step for your company or, or is there anything you are looking for? Are you looking to raise the next round, seed round or series A, or are you looking for team members, employees, any particular talent, or are you looking for sales or something else? What are you looking for? <laughs> What's your ask? <laughs> yeah, the, we have two asks here. First yes. one is we also have a specialized for AI business podcast called Humans in the Loop. 
love to yes. anyone who is interested to get more further understanding in machine learning, join our podcast. And the second ask is we are looking for people who are deeply passionate about data infrastructure and yes. distributed systems, distributed computing and machine learning and deep learning more specifically. Mm-hmm. And we love to, we're looking for this talent to join us from all over the world. We have folks from here in California, in New York, in Canada, in Europe, in Armenia, yes. around, from India. And yeah, we're very open to anyone who's like very experienced and looking into getting into adventures. That's that's really good. Look, if I come across anyone in my database, I will definitely connect connect them to you. Especially New Zealand. That would be a good reason to come to New Zealand. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're most welcome. Yeah. So th- definitely I'll put all the links to you in the in the show notes and all, all the links to to Active Loop and to your podcast. And so people can reach out to you. And also I have some people in mind who I will connect you with. Will you be looking to raise a round next or do you intend to just get revenue positive and continue as you are? and keep bigger share of control of... I think the way I'm looking into this, essentially we are a data infrastructure company, which if you look into the market, you start generating like net positive revenue much later stages. Like if you look into Databricks or Snowflake, you Mm -hmm. get to Series C or maybe D stage. That's where things can turn out. I think what we are like looking as a company now is getting into Series A. So the next stage for us, we are well-funded now. We just closed um, our seed press series a basically earlier this year right. our next step is getting to series a where we show so we have also like an open source so we are we have an open core go-to-market strategy yes and with open core go-to-market strategy where you have the kind of the core or the op- the open source version of your code outside that anyone any developer can use and yeah. we're doubling down on the adoption side of things yes. now at this point and then at the same time building the managed version where we can start showcasing how this platform can generate revenue and that's where kind of the stage at the are and hopefully getting to um, A soon. That's great. That's really good. So look, it's been really great meeting you. And yeah, I'm sure we'll um, keep in touch and cross paths and best of luck for your company and your startup. Likewise, Sam, thank you very much for hosting me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.